0: At Hardee's, we love to surprise people. Surprise! We added the Loaded Omelette Biscuit to our two for $4 mix and match deal. Choose from our Loaded Omelette Biscuit and three other select breakfast favorites. Any two for $4. Hardy's because it tastes better. Offer available for a limited time during regular breakfast hours of participating. Hardy's restaurants price and participation may vary. Tax not included. Good evening and welcome to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA players, legends, and top instructors go to share their insights and playing lessons. Join Chris every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time as he talks with the greats of the game. Tonight's show is sponsored by the French Lick Resort, Ben Hogan Golf, the PGA Tour Superstore, the Salt Creek Golf Retreat, TaylorMade Golf, the Bobby Jones Apparel Company, and Super Speed Golf. Now here's your host... Chris Mascaro.
1: Good evening, folks, and thank you for coming back and joining me this week on Next on the T. I am your host, Chris Mascaro. And boy, I hope, first of all, I hope your week is off to a really great start. And I got to tell you, I'm very excited about the two guests that I get to share with you tonight. I have one of the top instructors in the game, plus a major champion here with me as well. So first up tonight is going to be, like I say, top instructor and multi-time PGA professional and teacher of the year, Bill Abrams. Bill has got a lot of fantastic instructional videos, folks, out on his website, billabramsgolf.com. I want to talk to Bill about his three-pillar approach to success. We'll talk about drills that we can do while we wait for spring to arrive so our swings don't get too rusty over the winter. We'll also talk about a thing that doesn't get a lot of attention and deserves much more attention than it gets is nutrition and the importance of eating right when we're out on the golf course. We'll also talk about club fitting and being fit properly. we, We hear us talk about that a lot here on the show, but not only being fit properly for the golf clubs. And we talk about, you know, making sure we get the right driver and the irons and the shafts and all that sort of thing. One of the clubs that sort of gets forgotten in all of that mix is making sure we're properly fit for our putters. So we'll talk about that, not only about the face and the and the length of uh, of the shaft, but also weights and all of that sort of thing, making sure we're getting a uh, putter face square when we are trying to make as many putts as we possibly can during the course of our round. So I want to make sure we get into that. So a whole lot to get into when Bill joins me, and he'll be along here in just a few minutes. Following him, I'm going to get a return visit from 2003 PGA champion Sean McKeel. Sean just turned 50 back on January the 5th, and As he's joined me over the last several years, it seems like we've been talking about and looking forward to him turning 50 so he can get back out on playing on the Champions Tour. And now, boom, here we are. He's 50 years old. About when he's looking forward to making his Champions Tour debut. We'll talk about the things that he is working on right now within his own game. Sean is down in Naples, Florida, getting ready for the season. We'll also talk about the Senior PGA Championship, which is going to be played at Oak Hill, which is the site of... Sean's 2003 PGA Championship victory. So looking forward, obviously, to that this year. And uh, so we'll also talk uh, with Sean as well about uh, the new rules that have gone into effect and get his perspective as well. So a lot to also get into with Sean when he joins me a little bit later on in this half hour. So a lot more great stories and information coming your way tonight on this edition of Next on the Tee. Thank you so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me tonight and making us a part of your golfing content. Before we get started, I'd like to remind you about my good friend Mitch Lawrence and his podcast, Talking Golf Getaways. He and his co-host Darren Bunch let you know about great places to stay, play, and even eat and drink while you're there. Again, their show is called Talking Golf Getaways, and you can stream it online by going to GolfNewsNet.com or over on Audioboom or pretty much anywhere you go to consume your podcast. Mitch's twin brother, Matthew, also a great friend, has a great golf show in his own right called Backspin Golf, which you guys know is on hiatus right now and driving me nuts. But uh, the show typically airs on WLXG ESPN Radio AM 1300 up in Lexington, Kentucky. It airs Sunday mornings from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. You can go online to WLXG.com and stream his show as a podcaster. you can catch up on anything you missed from last season Uh, and you guys know I love his show and Matthew is so much fun to listen to and uh, he's been great fun on this show and he's just fantastic again go online to wlxg.com look for backspin golf in their podcast section catch up on anything you missed last year and as you guys know we are sponsored by the French Lick Resort let's hear a word from our friend Steve Rondonero about what they've got got going on this winter play the course's champions play at French Lick Resort. (laughs) Laura Davies won the 2018 Senior LPGA title on our Pete Dye course. Colin Montgomery won the Senior PGA title here in 2015. For an experience drenched in history, play our Donald Ross course, where Walter Hagen won the 1924 PGA Championship. It's never too early to plan that next buddy trip to play
0: legendary golf at French Lake Resort, the Midwest's premier golf destination.
1: Yeah, folks, be sure to go online to FrenchLick.com to see for yourself. What a wonderful place it is up there, and to book your stay as well. I also want to tell you about our good friends at the Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company. Now, folks, if you haven't hit Ben Hogan irons since maybe the 80s or the 90s, do yourself a favor and get a demo iron for either their Fort Worth, PTX, or new edge irons. Go out on the range and compare it to whatever you have. All Ben Ben Hogan irons and wedges are handcrafted one at a time, and their Fort Worth, Texas factory. No mass production, no shortcuts. Now you can get custom-made irons, wedges, and hybrids online by going to benhogangolf.com, and they're going to build those clubs to your specifications, and best of all, charge you a fraction of the typical retail price. Check out their complete line of forged irons and wedges, utility irons, hybrids, bags, and accessories online at benhogangolf.com. Please also check out the Bobby Jones Apparel Company by going online to bobbyjones.com. They've got their Semi-annual sale going on right now. Save up to 50% off of some of their clothes. Plus, their early spring collection is out as well. Looks fantastic. I got my eye on some of the polos and the sweaters. They look really great this year. So go online to bobbyjones.com. Check out their great lines of either what they've got going on in their semi-annual sale or over in their new spring collection. You're going to love it. All right, now back with me on the French Lick Resort guest line is Bill Abrams. Let me remind you about Bill's background. Played his college golf at Lycoming College up in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. Became a member of the PGA of America back in 1993. He was a Central Illinois Teacher of the Year in 2004 and 2005. He won the Horton Smith Award for the Illinois PGA section in 2005. And that award is given out annually to a golf professional for their outstanding and continuing contributions to developing and improving education opportunities for the PGA professionals, in this case, in the state of Illinois. He's been recognized as a U.S. Kids Top 50 teacher and a master teacher as well. He was a 2012 Central Illinois PGA Professional of the Year. In 2015, the state of Illinois PGA Professional of the Year, and in 2017, the Central Illinois PGA Teacher of the Year. And I am thrilled he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Bill, thanks for coming back on the show. Happy New Year, my friend. Happy New Year,
0: Chris. Happy New Year to everyone. Thanks so much for having me again.
1: Bill, I, I want to start out our time tonight. This time of year, right, typically is it's the time for New Year's resolutions and the things that we are setting for, up for ourselves for this year. Do you, do you do that sort of thing? Do you have resolutions or goals you've got set for yourself for 2019?
0: Well, I I always look back and reflect towards the end of the year and see how everything went and just try to make it a little bit better every year. And, um, you know, fortunate enough, I have some great players and students and some facilities I coach at, and things just keep getting better and better.
1: Ah, good for you. Bill, you know, the talk around golf right now seems to be centered around all the new rules that went into effect back on the first, particularly a lot of chatter about leaving the flag stick in. What what are your thoughts? is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing for the game of golf?
0: Well, you know, I can see it in both directions. I've actually had some of my collegiate players in the last two weeks and we've uh, experimented a little bit with it. And the thing that I'm finding is the players aren't so comfortable with it on the short putts. Um short putts, I, I'm not such a big fan of it because I think it, it really does, you know, despite what Dave tells and everybody have been saying over the years, you've got to look at your holding speed. And We aren't hitting the ball 18 inches past anymore. If you look at anybody that's coaching aim point or any of the the newer ways, we're we're more dying the ball in the hole and allowing the the ball to fall in easily. Um, And it's taken away a little of that space, especially on a breaking putt. A lot of this research was done on straight in three-footers at high speed. How many straight putts do we ever putt? Not very many. So I think it, it comes with a grain of salt. It'll be to the individual. But I feel that, you know, each player should experiment with it a little bit um, and make sure that the flagsticks are the tour and tournament size flagstick, not the big heavy that we see sometimes at private clubs.
1: And Bill, looking at all the other changes that went into effect, other ones that you think, boy, it's about time we address that rule and others that you think maybe at the end of the year, the USGA and the RNA may want to think about walking back. Um,
0: I'm. You know, most of them I'm not a real, you know, the drop I think is one that they've got to walk back because, you know, I'm almost 6'6", and I'll tell you what, dropping at my shoulder and over the shoulder over the years, I had a huge disadvantage to a guy that's 5'4", no doubt about it. Um, I think that one at the knee height has made things extremely awkward. I I feel that they should have really done something, maybe phrased it um, as such you can drop from any, any height outside a foot. So we all have a, everybody's got grips on their clubs. So we, we have the grips on the clubs. So what we are able to do with that is we're able to use a a foot and then drop no closer than that. I think that was one that really needs to be looked at Um, moving loose impediments and hazards. I think that's fine. Um, You know, I just think, moving the, the making the marks on the greens cleaning those up that may actually slow down the pace of play a little bit because we all know the guys that'll get the dust buster out and start touching everything <laughs> on a three-foot putt so um i really the one i'm having the, the most problem with though, is you know you know doing that drop is just i think is something that they should have clarified a little bit better um because i think that knee height can mean a whole bunch of different things if somebody's leaning forward and their knee gets closer to the ground. Is it our, our knee straightened out? Is our knee bending forward? How does it work? And I think it leaves a little bit of interpretation there, where they could have done something simple as say, you know, you can drop at any height, uh, no closer than a foot. If that makes sense to you.
1: Yeah, absolutely, it does. So, Bill, I want to I want to switch gears a little bit, and uh, and I know you're a pain guy. And one of the things that I, I, you're also really great at is club fitting. And one of the things that I find intriguing about ping is around their putters because they've got some putters that are actually adjustable and shaft length and that sort of thing. So I wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, obviously it's very important. And like I say, we talk about this a lot on this show, getting fit for your clubs. And when, and, and when you think about getting fit, it's around the driver, it's around irons, it's around your shafts and that sort of thing. But the club that, gets sort of pushed off to the side and people don't think enough about being fit for is their putter. Talk about the importance of finding the right length shaft for your putter.
0: Yeah, the, the proper shaft length is so key to it. And then that plays into the line go a little bit, but that shaft is so much because if we have a putter that's too short or too long, that's going to adversely affect our posture. And when our posture's poor, that's when poor strokes start to come in. When we get ourselves in good posture, now our body's on a little better balance and we're able to make a little more of a rhythmic balanced stroke, meaning the pace and the length of the stroke stay better without us having to manipulate it.
1: And Bill, talking about posture, just just in general, the posture of the golf swing, and that's sort of where everything starts from. How can we be sure when we're talking about whether it's putting or just your posture when you're setting up to drive or hit an iron shot? How do we make sure that we've got our right posture? I think that's something that can get changed. You know, when here we are in the wintertime. We're not out there playing as much golf as we typically would in the spring or the summertime. How can we make sure our posture is right?
0: I tell you what, it's, it all relates back to balance. And I think a very simple way that I found with players to do that is simply close your eyes. Posture is good. You won't feel yourself leaning to the left, leaning to the right towards the toes or towards the heels. It'll get you in a very balanced, engaged position. And then from there, we even make some practice swings at full speed with our eyes closed. For folks that are working in the off-season in the north, that's a beautiful way to do it. You can make practice swings full speed with your eyes closed and really work on your balance. In turn, that balance won't be good if the posture isn't good.
1: And, Bill, you've got a great system to help us improve our games. You call it your three-pillar approach for success. And pillar number one is having a simple, body-friendly swing technique. How do you go about helping us find what a simple body motion is to strike the ball consistently well?
0: Well, uh, opposed to some other people, I don't, and people will disagree with me on this a little bit, but I go to the footwork first. That's the first place that I go, making sure we have a proper width in our stance and that our feet can engage the ground really well. Um, Some people will go to the grip first, but I always use the analogy that I want to make sure if I'm going to teach somebody how to ride a bicycle, I teach them how to balance and pedal first and don't worry about the handlebars so much. Because what I find is then the grip connection and that gets taken care of very nicely once the balance and footwork is so much better. I find players are able to, Lighten up their grip on the club. So, we really want to work on getting good, balanced footwork and and engagement with the ground, and then we work our way up from there.
1: And, Bill, one of the things you've got listed in your pillar number one is that you can help us strike the ball well and at the appropriate time. Talk about what you mean by at the appropriate time.
0: So, we're getting the club, you know, just prior to it bottoming out or just right at that spot. We don't want that club bottoming out you know prior to the ball and that what that repl- what means is that so many times players will take a long swing and slow down or actually take the momentum of their swing and shut it off right prior to impact i call it impact anxiety when that happens you'll either scull it or hit it heavy
1: and bill your second pillar in your approach is scoring and something i talked about <laughs> last week with bob friend is the value of on course coaching because there's a difference between learning how to swing the golf club properly, and learning how to play the game of golf. Talk about what you learned by watching your students play out on the golf course.
0: That's With a newer player, that's the first thing I do is watch them on the golf course. Um, Get out, play a few holes. I pick their brain a little bit, what they're thinking about, uh, and really see the approach. Because so often, players will come to me, they'll have a lot of the skill set they need to score what they want, but they're just going about it incorrectly, not thinking themselves through the shot and what the really focus needs to be to hit the shot that they want. I, You know, you want to hit a low shot, and all of a sudden they hit it. They hit it low, but they don't catch it quite the way they do. It gets out of trouble, and they're complaining themselves. you got to go back to what your intention was. What were you intending to do? Hit the ball low. Did you get out of trouble? Yes. Is the ball near the green? Yes. Okay. You know, we have to – kind of approach it that way a little bit. And a lot of times changing the mindset and the way we approach things from a playing lesson is really, it's a, it's a totally invaluable process because we play golf on the golf course, not the practice area. We work on skill building and some block practice in the practice area, but so much of it is being able to make it in three shots from here or two shots from here. And that's the, the, the whole idea, trying to make it one less shot than we would normally take.
1: So to that end, are you talking to your students about strategy and how to play around the golf course and angles and and things of that nature when you find yourself not in the middle of the fairway and now you're in the trees? Okay, what are you thinking here? How are you going to get up and down to your point in two shots instead of three and that sort of thing? How do you talk about strategy?
0: Absolutely. It's, It's something even as simple as when you have a very steep lie and you're short of the green it might be a 10 degree grade. I'll see players go out there with their 60 degree wedge and try to play that shot. And I tell them, you have to take into account that, that, that degree of grade. So effectively you made that 60 degree on a 10 degree grade, a 70 degree wedge little thoughts like that. You're starting to try to attack a flag. That's a little deeper in the green with that shot. It's going to lead to a lot of inconsistency and, you know, trying to overhit the ball. So, Little things like that, you know, trying to make the next shot easier than the one you just had. You know, I say something as simple as this, a philosophy that I have is, you know, we want to, in the game of golf, we want to always strive to hit the ball on shorter grass than we're playing from. Pretty simple. You know, the, the tee shot's the only one that we'll do where it's going to be the same length. From there, we're always trying to get it on, on as short or shorter grass than we've just played from. And, you know, by looking at things from a different mindset at times, I find players really do a good job of, of getting their arms around things. It's not as difficult as they find sometimes. Um, you know, a guy wants or a gal wants to shoot 90. I say, well, you average five a hole. Oh, really? Yeah. And I mean, you know, just simply rephrasing things and framing things differently so people think about it a little bit differently and are a little more cognizant of it. I find they have great, great, great success that way.
1: Bill, moving on to your third pillar, and that's something we alluded to just a little bit ago is talking about being professionally fit for your clubs. But you also take it a step further and talk about being fit for your golf balls. Make sure your shoes fit right. you got the proper eyewear. Explain why we need to be fit for all of those things.
0: Yeah, you know, people don't give any consideration. Let's talk about the footwear and the golf ball and even the glove. You play, almost all, every, you play every shot with your shoes and your golf. But people just go this way, that way, the other way and feel it doesn't really matter. Your grips as well. If you don't have a grip that fits you and feels good to you, it, it's difficult because you're playing every shot with those. With those, A bad-fitting glove can create a lot of issues and a lot of tension in the hands. Um, eyewear, if you're playing with something that's not polarized, that has distortion, it's going to be very difficult to make a lot of putts that way. And um, you know, and I always use the example of, of apparel even. If you're playing in Phoenix, Arizona in the summer and you're playing in cotton shirts and you're a little bit of a sweat box, you're probably not going to perform your best because that, Shirt's sure going to be sticking to your back like wallpaper.
1: When we think about our practice sessions and making sure that we are allocating the proper amount of time to the, each aspect of our game, what is your recommendation? How much time should we be spending hitting our driver? What, how much time should we be spending on our short game? How much time should we be spending on our putting?
0: Well, you can break it down into a round of 72. If you hit every green in regulation, you're going to hit your driver 14 times. You're going to hit, you're going to hit your putter 36 times. So you can figure it out in the middle right from there. And I think that's, a, that's something that people really don't give enough thought to down the game. What percentage of your score are these clubs doing? You know, And, of course, if somebody's not getting a good tee shot and they're not putting themselves in position to start a hole, as Ben Hogan say, every great hole starts with a great tee shot. You know, to a degree, if they're not doing that efficiently, yes, again, we may have to put a little more time in there, but percentage-wise, if things are working on all cylinders, you really should use that percentage, as I said. You know, half the time, basically, is on putting. And, you know, I have players come to me and they say, oh, I'm a, I'm a good putter. I say, well, what is that? What do you feel that is? And they'll say, well, I, I don't ever, I three-putt once in a while, but I two-putt almost everything. Well, we don't start talking good putter until we're getting down to about 30 strokes around now you know you look at it that way that would be six two putts and nine holes and three one putt six one putts for 18 holes will get you with no three putts will get you uh 30 putt and we have to look at it from that aspect of it when players begin to do that they start to i start to see a lot of improvement as you say with your timing because so much of it is spent on the driving range and so little around the green and that's the easiest way for players to play better i know that that term gets worn out but when you talk to sean mckeel the difference Every level you go down, it's they strike the ball, they hit through it a little bit better, and they putt it and chip it a whole lot better.
1: Bill, one of the other sort of lost things in and helping us play better golf is nutrition. Right? We don't spend enough time mm-hmm. thinking about that. Most of us grab something quick in the morning on our way out the door as we're headed to the golf course. Then at the turn, we're grabbing a hot dog, and then goodness knows the different things we're drinking out on the out on the golf course during right. the course of our rounds. but. What should we be eating and drinking to make sure that we're playing our best?
0: First, in the interval, you have to keep doing it. When you go to, most people go to work to get there at 8 or 9 in the morning, they eat lunch around noon or 1 o'clock at the latest. We're out on the golf course for four hours, and we don't snack or anything or have any water. We have to continually drink water and food regularly. And I I think natural foods are are the best, fruits, you know, fruits as in apples, um, nuts. You know, a lot of it is you need to consult with your doctor as well as as the the foods that work or nutritionists that work best with your body. But I found proteins, uh, jerky works good if there's no sodium issues um, because it gives some protein and carb mix. We don't want to go heavy in one area. And sports drinks, I find sometimes there's as much sugar to me in in a bottle of Gatorade as there is in a Pepsi. Not necessarily the best thing for your performance going all, going all over. But, uh, you know, things that are a little more natural, I think, are always the best snacks for you. Um, you know, there's some protein bars and power bars and things like that on the market. But, again, you've got to watch your sugar content on certain ones there and make sure that they fit your dietary needs.
1: And, Bill, for for those of us that are still in the uh, in the throes of winter, what are some drills that we can do indoors to help keep ourselves, keep our swings in shape and actually maybe, you know, emerge from the winter Having a better, either better golf swing or a uh, a better opportunity to score well.
0: Well, the the first one that I, I'd given you previously is taking some uh, golf swings with your eyes closed. You know, practice swinging as hard as you can to work on your balance, because one of the things I find everybody says slow down and do this, do that, and I'll see a player take a rehearsal swing and they swing very slow, and then they swing thirty miles an hour faster when they they go to hit their shot. I'd rather you do the opposite way. Practice some swings as hard as you can. And maintain your balance and then from there you can work your way back because that balance is such a key when we come out for the winter you know when we have a keen sense of our balance and our body is moving well you're gonna see a big difference coming out when you haven't hit some balls after a while that's a great one any any kind of little putting and chipping where we're doing some um, some wedge shots you know even working in the house where you're working the bounce of the club so that bounce is hitting and skipping off the ground a little bit and skidding along the ground is going to uh, be a big, big thing. So you're not chunking or digging shots when you come right out. Those are two areas swing-wise that I would do, and always putting. You know, working on making sure the length and the pace of your stroke are equal, so the back swing equals the through swing length-wise. And uh, from there, we can just you know get yourself into some really, really good shape, so you can come out and start making some making some great putts and swings early in the season.
1: Bill, just a couple more before we let you go, and like I was going through just a portion of the list of the many great things that you've accomplished in your career, being a PGA professional of the year, being a PGA teacher of the year, but looking back over all the things that you've done to this point in the game of golf, is there a moment or two that you enjoy reflecting back on that really make you feel good to say, you know what,
0: that was pretty darn good? Well, I've, I've had so many moments and you know, I've had players that have done some some just wonderful, wonderful things, but you know, I think the for me the probably the most fun that I've ever had is playing with family. Uh people that I, I know, people that I love. I think that's just great. Um and it doesn't really matter the venue. Um, you know, to me one of the most fun times of my life was caddying for my son Tommy at the US kids uh world championship on Pinehurst number two. And, you know, and he hadn't been playing much because he's an ice hockey player and playing juniors. And he just played so beautifully. And it's just, to me, I get so much more thrill out of seeing my players get good shots than I do myself anymore.
1: So, Bill, let our listeners know, how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing, whether it's following you online or it's on social media?
0: Yeah, on uh, Facebook, it's just BillAbramsGolf.com. The same with my uh, YouTube is BillAbramsGolf. You'll find me on Twitter at Bill Abrams Golf. Um and you can. my website is just uh, BillAbramsGolf.com. I try to keep it as simple as I can.
1: Well, Bill, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to come back and be a part of the show. It's always great having you here. Good luck uh, with everything you've got coming up, and I hope you'll come back and join me again sometime real soon. You're fantastic to be with. All right, Chris. With.
0: Thanks so much. If you're in Orlando next week, hopefully we'll run into you. So take care, my friend. Thank you so you much. You too, Bill. Thanks, All everybody. the best to you and your family. Thank you. Take care.
1: That is Bill Abrams. Again, BillAbramsGolf.com or at BillAbramsGolf on Twitter. And uh, go out and check out his uh, his uh, website because Bill's got a lot of really great videos. And uh, boy, looking forward to getting Bill back on the show. Love his enthusiasm for the game of golf. Uh, before I get to my next guest, Sean McKeel, I want to remind you about a few of our sponsors. First, I want to give a shout out to our friends at Super Speed Golf. Now used by over half of the tour players around the world, Superspeed Golf is the fastest and most effective way to increase your swing speed. Three eight-minute training sessions per week are all you need to see a 5% increase in your swing speed. And with sets for golfers of all ages and over one year of included video instruction, it's absolutely spectacular. Superspeed offers a complete solution to help you start bombing it off the tee. Visit them online at superspeedgolf.com to pick up your set today also want to remind you about my M4 driver from TaylorMade Golf. Can't wait to get to five and six. They're right around the corner. But I'm telling you, what a wonderful driver that is. I don't know about you, but I don't hit it in the center of the face every single time. And after studying hundreds of thousands of swings from pros and amateurs like us, TaylorMade designed their new drivers to protect us from our miss hits and give us straighter distance. So whether your miss hit is on the low heel or the high toe, Twist Face brings the ball back to center. Keeping the distance we want and finding the fairway more often. The new drivers are also the choices of pretty good golfers you might recognize. Twistface is played by Tiger Woods, Rory McElroy, Dustin Johnson, Jason Day, and John Rom to Dame, just a few, and dominating the top 10 out on tour. So if you haven't tried Twistface, go hit it and get fit. It is in the new M3 and M4, and soon to be out the M5s and M6s, and only from TaylorMade. And this segment of the show is sponsored by our good friends at the PGA Tour Superstore. This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore.
0: See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATourSuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the show.
1: And now back with me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is a guy who is very important to me and has become a big part of the show over the years, and that's 2003 PGA Champion Sean McKeel. As you guys have heard me say a number of times on this show and over social media, Sean is by far one of the most underrated and underappreciated players to ever play out on the PGA Tour. Mainstream media recognizes that he won the 2003 PGA Championship, but they fail to give him the credit for things like his second place finish in the 2006 PGA Championship, finishing runner-up behind Tiger Woods at Medina, or his second place finish in the 2006 World Match Play Championships after defeating Tiger Woods, in the first round, or his 20 top 10 finishes, or his 57 top 25s, he's, the, he's only the second player ever to record a double eagle in the U.S. Open, which he did back in 2010 at Pebble Beach, and the U.S. Open op, uh, returns to Pebble Beach this year. Sean turned 50 back on January the 5th, and I'm looking forward to rooting for him this season out on the Champions Tour, and I'm very glad he's back with me tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Sean, happy 50th. How are you, my friend?
2: Uh, Chris, thank you very much. I'm doing, I'm doing well. How about
1: yourself? I'm really well. Thank you, Sean. So, you know what, Sean, you know, for the last couple of years, when you've come on the show, right, most people dread turning 50. It's almost like we've been waiting for you to turn 50. So you could get out on the champions tour and get back out there competing against the guys you competed against so hard back in the early parts of the two thousands. And even before that, but are you excited to get back out there?
2: I am. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's a difficult place to be, um, as a tour player, uh, when you get into your forties, I mean, uh, you know, the Davis love and VJ and and those guys have been able to kind of keep and Steve Stricker also have been able to keep a pretty high level of play up, um, you know, and, uh, that's a testament to them and, and how good of a player they've been throughout their career. Um, so really the last few years have just been kind of spinning my wheels a little bit. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that have happened in my life, you know, that took away a little bit from, uh, you know, from the competitive side of things. But, yeah, I, I, I've i been looking forward to turning 50 probably for the last, you know, last couple of years anyway.
1: So, Sean, we've got the senior PGA championship this year being played out at Oak Hill, the site of your 2003 victory. Is uh, I got to believe that's a, a date you've had circled on the calendar for a while as well. Talk about the opportunity to compete in another major there.
2: Yeah, well, I was, uh, I remember they, I don't remember the exact date, but sometime, it must have been early spring last year, they announced that the KitchenAid Senior PGA Championship was going to Oak Hill. So, yeah, that's been kind of on my radar for a while. And, you know, it's, uh, wow, I mean, I was back in 2013. I've been back a couple other times. Um, But, yeah, I'm really looking forward to to getting back up there. I'm going to be going up in April to do something for the membership. Um, early April, probably right before the Masters, so I'm excited about that and, and sharing a, a couple of days with the membership up there. But, uh, yeah, I'll be interested to see really kind of how the golf course is set up in May, what, you know, what exactly uh, the weather's like in Rochester. Of course, the week prior to that, I'll be at the senior at the regular PJ Championship at Bethpage. So I've not spent much time in New York, particularly upstate New York in May, so I'm, I'm uh, fingers are crossed that, uh, that we'll still be able to wear shorts.
1: to that end Sean do you expect the golf course to play much differently than what you've seen it play in the past if for no other reason because it's so much earlier in the season than it typically has been
2: I mean it'll it'll certainly play differently than than my win I mean uh you know that 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 week that I played and and did so well um you know it was it was hot I mean it was really really hot back in you know 2003 and then we get back there in 2013 and the weather was different i mean it wasn't hot they, they had uh, done a few different things to the golf course um so i suspect yeah i mean i suspect that it'll be you know kind of damp and 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 cold i mean it it's hard to it's hard to predict this i mean this weather across the united states has been pretty unpredictable for everybody this year but um yeah i mean i anticipate i definitely anticipate short you know sweaters and and uh hopefully no rain jackets but um you know, it's just kind of anybody's guess. But, you know, it's a long course. I mean, they lengthened it from 2003 to 2013. And so I'd just really be interested to see how the course is set up lengthwise, um, you know, for the Champions Tour Tour guys. Um, you know, wow. they'll definitely play a little bit shorter than the PGA Championship. But I just I just don't know what, what tee box I'm going to be playing from.
1: Sean, <laughs> are there other events on the uh, on the schedule on the Champions Tour this year that you're really looking forward to getting an opportunity to play in? Well,
2: you know, I'm not exempt. I'm not a fully exempt player, and um, you know, so right now, what I've done is I've got quite a few letters out. Uh, matter of fact, I started writing it being the, the last kind of end of the summer. And uh, just wanted to kind of get my name in the hat and and everything. And I've got quite a few relationships with some of the tournament directors and you know committee members of these events that uh, were were a big part of the PGA Tour, you know, committees when when I was when I was playing more regularly out there. So I've got some great relationships, and and uh, so I've got some letters out, and and hopefully I haven't heard anything back. I've gotten well. Let's put this way: anybody that I've written um, I've gotten a response back from, which is, which is great. And, uh, but very not typical. A lot of times the PJ tour, there were a lot of, a lot of tournament directors that, um, you know, didn't, didn't always get right back to you, but, um, I've been very appreciative of that, but, but nothing, nothing in concrete yet, just a lot of good vibes. And, um, you know, if I don't like, I'm down here in Naples right now. And if I'm, uh, you know, if I don't get a spot for the first event, the uh, Oasis championship, then I, my plan is to do the Monday qualifier. So, um, you know, I'm just working hard on my game, and, and we'll kind of see what happens. You know, I'm I'm in four of the five majors this year. I'm in uh, – and then there's uh, the region's tradition. I've uh, had some good uh, discussions with the tournament director there, and and we'll see what would be unique in my in my case for the region's tradition um, is that if I do, in fact, get that exemption, that would mean I would play three consecutive weeks of major championships. So I would play the Regents Tradition, which is in Birmingham, fly from there to New York to play the P J Championship, and then after that, go from there to upstate New York to play the senior PJ. So it's pretty unusual, and I don't know if there's ever been a player uh, to play three consecutive weeks and have three majors. Um, it, it, maybe it's been <laughs> Probably by, not. I, just, I don't I don't see it with the with the, I don't think that's probably happened. Um the way the schedule is, that's just how it could work out. So um could be very interesting. That's a good story.
1: Sean, uh, as you mentioned a moment ago, you're down in Naples working on your game. How what's the state of your game and what are the things you're working on to uh, get ready for the season?
2: Well today was a today was a significant day. I, I had a I had a really good session. My my I've been struggling with my three wood and anybody that'll tell you, if you find a three wood, you never get rid of it. I mean, you can look at Henrik Stenson. I mean, Henrik Stenson's had that same three wood in the bag for, uh, I would say five years. And so I've really been struggling with my fairway wood for some reason. I don't know if it's just a shaft, but I met up with a guy down here named Shane Collison, who's had a, a club repair business for and fitting business for 28 years down here. And he's out at a place called the rookery here, which is in on in on Fiddler's Creek. And, uh, he pulled out three shafts for me to try today. I hit four with one, and and it's gone right in the bag. So all the numbers look good. So I was, <laughs> excuse me, I was uh, extremely excited about today. But I've been, um, I've been working really hard, uh, just just working on my short game a lot. Um, I spent this last week just really practicing. I only played a few holes, uh, but Thursday I'm going to start playing some golf at some courses around here. I just needed, I really needed five or six days to kind of get kind of get my body going. Um, weather's been horrendous in Tennessee. So, um, you know, I've just been working on a few things, nothing, nothing too serious, just basic, but spending a lot of time on the short game.
1: And Sean, I've seen some recent pictures of you sporting a, a Callaway hat. So are you uh are you a Callaway guy now? I know for a while there, you were an equipment free agent.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've been, um, I had a great relationship with them for, for a number of years. And, um, you know, I was with them in 2011, 10, I think 10 and 11 and 12, I think. So, um, I formed a lot of relationships with the guys over there and, and, uh, Mike Sposa, who played the tour back in the early two thousands, uh, works for them. And so, um, this year I'm, I've kind of made the move to, to go all in with Callaway and which includes the ball. Um, and I've not used the ball since 2012. So, um, they 've got some new product out there it's it's really good you know callaway's done a great job i mean they 're killing it out there they 've had several several um weeks where they 've gotten the driver count, which has been unusual because that's that 's typically been um you know with TaylorMade TaylorMade's kind of been their baby with the driver um and so they 've made a lot of great inroads there but there's so much great product out there there really is and i and I just kind of i tested a few things in the off season even a a new company that 's coming uh, coming out uh, onto the market and uh, just ultimately decided to stay with Callaway one, because I was used to the stuff I've been using it for a couple of years, but the other is uh, on the cheapest tour. There's not as much, uh, the service out there. There's not every, every company's out there. I believe Tyler has, has Scott's out there, Scott Cuppet. Um, I think Shrixon's got some presence out there, um, and Callaway and maybe, and maybe Ping. I mean, there's, there's, uh, you know, a couple of the companies that kind of pulled their rep out there to kind of make the resources more available to the regular PGA Tour guys and even the web.com. So, you know, there were several reasons, but certainly the service aspect um, and having the ability to have a have a tour, a knowledgeable tour rep out there was, uh, you know, they just made the decision that much easier.
1: And Sean, and I don't know if you if you saw this news, but a course that I played many times when I lived in Memphis, my parents actually lived on the golf course, Germantown Country Club is closing at the end of February, yeah. and I know you're a member out at Ridgeway. But have you seen? Have you played out at Germantown? Have you seen the fact that they're closing down?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's kind of been big news, um really, around the town. I mean, it's pretty unusual that uh, that you see a uh, a golf course that's been around uh, as long as it has been it has such a great membership, uh, and I've played it a lot of times. Matter of fact, there was a a, a really uh, great amateur event called the Bubba Conley and, and, uh, that was hosted there for, for a long time when I was a junior player. And, um, yeah, that's, uh, the, the owner, uh, the Andersons, um, both, both of them have now passed away. And so the, uh, uh, the, uh, the golf course itself is, is been turned over to the, I guess, it's in a trust. So the trustee is basically managing it and whether it stays as a golf course, is anyone's uh, best guess at this point. I mean, I haven't heard a whole lot of stuff um, about the course, but it's certainly a disappointment. Hopefully the city of Germantown will kind of step in and, and maybe purchase it. It does sit on about 180 acres um, of that, probably about 50 or 60 of acres is in kind of in a floodplain, um, you know, and so I don't know what they're going to do, but but uh, certainly the the residents around there, are, you know, hoping that they're able to keep it as a golf course. But uh yeah, February twenty eighth. It's 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 uh it's closing down. So really sad to see um to have a golf course like that just to kind of shut its doors on its membership, but but uh that's kind of the times we're in, I guess.
1: Yeah, unfortunate. And Sean, as you know, as soon as the calendar turns to January, most of us as golf fans immediately start looking forward to the Masters and, and I saw a picture uh that you posted out on social media with you and your father at Augusta national and it appears like he was caddying for you for the part three contest had to be a thrill to get to share something like that with him.
2: It was, you know um, so that picture its an old picture. I mean, it was from 2004, my first masters. And um, I guess a side story to that is all along. And my dad had some friends back at the club that, that made an annual trip to Augusta. And I don't know how many years in a row they've been doing it. It hadn't been that long, five, six years that they'd been doing this kind of trip. And um, my dad always told him that he, he was always invited, but my dad never went. He said, I'm not going to go until um, Sean gets to play. And so, you know, I think my dad was kind of thinking, oh man, Sean's not going to win. He's like 33, 34 years of age. I think I'm not sure when he's going to win. But, and so he accepted an invitation to go in 2003. And, uh, and then lo and behold, I win in 2003 and I'm eligible for 2004. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, uh, well, I mean, what a great moment it was. I mean, you know, as I've, as I've told you and, and anybody that plays golf or really anything that's ever happened in, in your life, you can attribute really to, uh, your parents getting you involved or, uh, in some way, shape or form. And, and, you know, being that my dad was so instrumental in getting me started playing golf. Um, it was appropriate that I have him caddy for the par three, and, and we had a we had a great time. Um, he got to hit a shot on the 18th hole, hit it on the green, um, so it was a, it was a delight. And those definitely seeing some of those pictures, um, you know, that's why I like posting things like that. It just it brings back great memories for me. Um, and uh, anyway, it just it was it was a great moment. Um, but yeah, that was It's hard to believe. Two thousand four. That's uh, that's that's when that was. So, I had a great group. I had uh, my wife caddied one time. My father in law caddied. Um, I actually auctioned off a uh, practice round tickets for two people and the opportunity to caddy in the par three. I did that one year and that raised about twenty some thousand dollars uh, for wow. Make So um, Gary Stavram's his name's from Memphis, big Memphis. Uh went to the, went to Christian Brothers as well and I think graduated in eighty eighty five. So um yeah, so then and then Dade caddy for me when he was uh well god that was 08. so he would have been he would have been four, four and a half. So <laughs> I've got wow. I've got some good pictures in my house that uh were professionally done that uh that's uh that are scattered about the, of him caddying. So um anyway, yeah. Those those are great memories. And for people that, that have never been there that don't really understand really the, the par three contest and, and may think it's a little bit hokey. It's, it's just really fun to be able to share, um, you know, that day and those nine holes with, um, you know, with your family and friends, because it's just, uh, you know, you just can't show up at Augusta national and say, Hey, can you mind if I come in and look at the course? I mean, it's such a, <laughs> such a, uh, an interesting and unique, unique setup, but, it's uh, you know, when you go there and play and you see just the love of, you know, the masters, I mean, that there's not a, there's not really a place to stand or sit. You know, once that thing kicks off, um, it's a real popular event and, and uh, even more so amongst the players. So it was always an event that I loved. I love playing. Hopefully somebody at some point will break the jinx of winning the par three contest and going on to win the tournament. I'm not sure who that's going to be. I mean, Last year we saw Virginia as a number one seed get beat by a sixteen seed, which has never happened either. So it'll happen at some point. But uh, par three is uh, it's a highlight. It's a highlight of the event of the, of the of the week for sure.
1: Sean, I want to switch gears a little bit and get your thoughts on the rules changes that just went into effect. And one of the things that's getting a lot of airtime is the uh, opportunity to leave the flagstick in. And uh, wanted to get your thoughts. How do you feel about Leaving the flag stick in, whether it's on the long putts or on a three footer.
2: Yeah, no, I, I don't like it. I think it has a bad look. And it wouldn't surprise me if that rule gets changed either by the USGA or put on the PJ Tour's hard card, um, you know, that basically says, hey, we know that this is the rule, but we're changing the rules. I mean, there are, there are rules that can be um, altered. Um, I would say one uh, that you see most often is um you know if you're playing at a golf course and there's stones in bunkers and stuff like that the pj tour you know it has the ability to say hey look we're gonna we're gonna allow you to move stones and bunkers or to even play even to play a bunker as not a bunker which we did at Kiwa island in what was it 2011 when rory won there was not one bunker on the golf course even though it was right next to the green everything was was an area that you could take a practice swing in you could move whatever you wanted so that one's fine, but I don't like the idea of leaving the pin in. I think it just looks bad. And it's probably just because uh I've always played it with the rule that you had to be it had to be attended, uh, and taken out. Um, you know, I've seen Bryson DeChambeau and um, you know, and he's he leaves it in, seems like on every single putt. He said he's done research on it, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. That one's gonna get changed, and I think it gets changed before uh you know, before he gets out of control. But, um, I, you know, the other rules changes, I guess, are fine. I'm not so sure about grounding, grounding your club in a hazard, you know. That matter of fact, they're not even called hazards anymore. I think they're called penalty areas. So, um, there's a lot of stuff for me to digest when I get out, uh, uh, you know, playing here before too long. Um, um, because I thought I, I kind of knew the rules fairly well, but, you know, dropping at knee height. If you drop it at waist height, is that a penalty? I don't. I don't even know, or is it a redrop? I'm not. I'm not really sure on all these things, but uh, I don't. I don't like the one specifically you asked about with, the, with leaving the pin in.
1: Sean, just a a couple more before we let you go, and and um, one of the things we talk a lot about on this show is uh, how how the majority of the game is played from a hundred yards in, and I was just curious to get your thoughts. When you're out practicing in the things that you are working on with your own game, how much time are you spending on the short game and making sure that uh you know you're getting instead of getting up and down in three, you're getting up and down in two
2: yeah, i mean almost all i mean you know i've hit a, I've hit a lot more ball, balls in the last week since i uh since I've been in Naples, and most of that's just because i I've, I've kind of needed to kind of needed to, to kind of get the body going and stuff like that but but I spend You know, if I've spent four or five hours out at the practice area, um, you know, each day, um, I would say four hours is it on putting and chipping bunkers. It's 40 yard shots. You know, you'd be amazed really at how, how good you can get with your full swing, um, just by managing, um, you know, little short wedge shots, you know, it keeps you, you really stay in control of the club head. Um, it's a much shorter swing, but it's a, it's a, it's a good way to get the club on the ball, um. You know, it, it, it enhances your creativity. Um, you know, throwing balls around. You know, chipping over bunkers, um, it, putting some in the rough. I mean, those types of things where it doesn't cost you any shots. You know, when you're out there practicing. But um, as far as a percentage, it's hard. To, it's hard to say. I mean, it, all I can say is it's a it's fun, and uh, it, it's uh, it really helps helps the long game as well. So, um, you know. It, it's hard to really break it down. It's, you know, 75, 70, 75% of my time is spent out there, um, you know, working on the short game and it's, you know, and there's, you know, fair, I work on fairway bunkers. I work on, um, I work on 30, 40 yard fairway bunker shots. Um, you know, I wasn't very good when I first started doing that, um, you know, five, six days ago and I've kind of figured it out. Um, and you, you, you just got to learn, you got to almost teach yourself. It's, it's hard to go and get a short game lesson. I mean, you can get the basic principles of, you know, your grip and how do I stand, but it really is incumbent upon yourself to figure out, okay, if I open the club face up and I aim way left, you know, where's the ball going to go and how is it going to react? And and so those are the fun types of things to practice. And when you sit out there and just beating balls, um, you know, at my age, I can't really do it. You know, in the shoulder surgery I had a number of years ago, I just can't, I just can't maintain um, you know, that for very long. So the short game gives me a way to still work on my full game swing, um, but not putting the unnecessary strain on my body. So, uh, and you know, and plus it's enjoyable too.
1: John, you've, you've played in so many pro-ams over the course of your career. You, to give us a lesson, give give the, you know uh, the re- all of us amateurs a lesson. What is one of the things that you've seen, you know, us amateurs do time and time and time again do you think you know, kind of shake your head and go, boy, you know, they need to learn how to do this?
2: I don't, you know, I, I mean, the bunker play seems to be, uh, well, I would definitely say the short game. Um, you know, look, everybody um, has a unique swing. Um, I think, you know, when I watch somebody hit off the tee, you know, I watch how they hit it a couple of holes before I even open my mouth, but I want to look at their grip. I look at the typical things that you might, you might end up in an opening lesson, and that's the fundamentals. That's grip, stance, posture, you know, ball position alignment, all those types of things that you look at first. But what I see is just how uh, how much of a uh, this, a lack of understanding that players, uh, the amateurs have in, uh, in bunker play and basically how to use a sand wedge. You know, most of them, most of the amateurs I play with are so afraid to open the club face up because they just feel like it's going to go nowhere, it's going to go way off to the right. And I think once you show them the technique um, and get them to accelerate through the shot and stuff like that and not be so handsy, um, you know, they can really you can really learn a lot. But it, like I said, it's typically around the short game. Um, you know, b- but again, I think people are really afraid of a lofted club. I see people, players trying to hit what's required of a, of a lob wedge they're still trying to use like a pitching wedge or a, or a nine iron and just try to just kind of blade it up there and stuff like that because they just don't understand really how to effectively use the club. So um, there's a lot of great things, and I, and I love the pro-ams. I'm always hesitant to, to really open my mouth up, and I, and I usually kind of introduce myself and say, look, if there's anything that you need help on or want help on, just ask. He said, because I want you guys to have a good time. The last thing that a player, uh, a professional golfer, wants to have happen is to tell somebody on the second hole, hey, you need to work on, you know, more face rotation on your driver. Well, you stuck that in their mind. Now they're going to spend the rest of the other driver holes trying to work on that and as opposed to having fun with the group, you know. And so there's there's a, there's a it's a delicate balancing act that you have to play with each of the members. You almost have to kind of be a little bit of a mind reader. Um, some people aren't even bashful about that, but I always kind of preface it. There's always a disclaimer. Hey, I'm going to help you, but if it screws you up for the rest of the day, please don't badmouth me after we're done and tell me I'm a (laughs) terrible teacher, you know, and and that usually kind of, that usually kind of, you know, kind of, you know, softens up the situation a little bit, and, uh, you know, but people are like, look, I'm out here because my, I haven't played golf, but three times this year, I'm the top accountant in such and such company, and they needed a guy to go play golf, so here I am. So, those guys, you aren't maybe as (laughs) as afraid to help, but, but there are players out there that you see. And I, and I've been with them numerous occasions. It's usually the young, the young kids that are up and coming and they're decent golfers and they, and they think they're going to beat the pro. And, uh, and, and those are the guys I have the most fun with because, um, you know, they're out there playing for a score and it it doesn't take long for one of them to make a really big number. Um, and so those guys kind of always amuse me, but, for the most part, I enjoy every moment of the pro am, um, you know. But again, kind of walking that that fine line of how much information is too much. I and mean, you know, in golf, my God, it's a myriad of things. It's it's you know, grip and posture. Where's the ball? When if I line up over here, the you know. It, so people that play the game understand, you know, kind of the difficult nature of the game in general, and uh, and then trying to allow these these people that are paid all this money to enjoy the day, but yet still get something out of it. So most of the time, I just kind of give that disclaimer and say, hey, look, this is what I want you to think about. Write it down in your scorecard or put it in your phone and uh, and and work on it tomorrow when we're not playing, you know. So that's kind of an easy segue into the day for me.
1: Sean, before we let you go, remind our listeners how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing? Find you out on the out on the uh, Champions Tour, and then follow you online or on and on social media.
2: Yeah, well, hopefully I'm going to be starting here for too long down in Boca Raton. It's coming up the first week of February, so um, I'll be probably posting some stuff, um, uh, you know, pretty soon. But I'm, you know, I'm at Sean McKeel PGA on Twitter and uh, and then Facebook. You can just type in Sean McKeel and you can find me, but. Uh, I'm anxious about getting out there and, and uh, you know, being out there with my contemporaries, meeting some new people, meeting the new sponsors. You know, the pro-ams are, are such a big part of the Champions Tour. Um, it's really all about relationship building. That's something that I, I learned early on in my career. Um, I've made a lot of great friends um, out of the pro-ams. It's something I really enjoy. and uh, And so hopefully I'll be posting some great things about you know, some of the new, new friends I'm about to meet. So I'm excited about it.
1: Well, we're excited about following you and seeing you back out there. It's going to be a huge thrill, whether it's uh, in, in any one of the majors that you talked about <laughs> or other, other events that uh, that you qualify for or get, uh, get picked to play in. But certainly very excited now that you're out on the Champions Tour and looking forward to following you this sure. year. Good luck to you. Yeah, Sean, and I just need to,
2: now I need to just stay at stay age 50 for about five years and I'll be good. <laughs> so, midlife Indeed. crisis hasn't hit me yet, but you might want to ask my wife that, so um <laughs> anyway, yeah, but uh, yeah, so anyway, I appreciate it, Chris. I'm really looking forward to it and and uh hopefully be out there and actually, I'm hoping to be to be playing in your neck of the woods here and uh, I believe it's in March at the uh, mitsubishi there at in uh t p c Sugarloaf, so um that'll yeah. be yeah here for too long, so um,
1: yeah, am looking maybe we can forward to do, do a
2: live broadcast out there'll
1: it be fun. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. I hope we get the opportunity to do that. Sean, thanks so much for your time. You're always fantastic. I always love having you as part of the show. Look forward to catching up with you again real soon, my friend.
2: Yeah, that sounds great. Thank you, Chris. Hope everybody has, a,
1: has had a great new year. Take care. Take care, Sean. All the best to you and your family. That is the great Sean McKeel. Uh, and again, typically you find you know people are dreading turning 50. And uh, it seemed like for about the last two and a half years, Sean and I have been rooting for him, you know, waiting for the day, if you will, when he turns 50 so he can get back out there and and be a part of the Champions Tour. I'm so excited for him. I hope he plays really, really well. Looking forward to following him throughout this year and as the years go forward. All right, folks, it's time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the Tee. I want to send out my sincere thanks again to Bill Abrams and, of course, Sean McHale for joining me tonight. Please give me your thoughts. Check out our page on Facebook. Next on the T with Chris Mascaro. Go in there, and give us a like. That's very important to us. Plus, uh, you know, if you've got a comment about the show, or you've got a question, uh, you know, that you want me to get answered for you for one of our future guests, which you can find our, our guest schedule out there on our website, nextonthet.net or even you know, one of our previous guests. I'll be glad to get the question out to them and uh, get the answer back to you. Please also check out our sister show on the football side, Thursday Night Tailgate with me and my co-host. Bob Lazari and our announcer, Joe said That show airs live every Thursday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern time. You can stream it live on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, that show like this one also available as a free podcast on iHeartRadio and our good friends over on Podbean, who feature this show next on the T right there in their golf fan segment uh, section, and then uh, Thursday night tailgate in their NFL fan segment uh, section as well. So uh, and please download the Podbean app. If you love listening to the podcast, They've got such great podcasts across all genres that you can take with you right there uh, on their app, on your smartphone, take us with you everywhere you go. Folks, I can't thank you enough for choosing in, uh, choosing to listen to this show tonight and tuning in with us. We really appreciate the fact that you're making us part of your golfing content. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends.